It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, I am joined by Luca Lover, Mavericks maniac, and the avatar aficionado, host of Locked <laughs> On Mavericks, Nick Angstead. Nick, what's up, man? Oh, man. I'm happy for the Avatar plug in there. By the way, I'm sure you mentioned it on the show. If you guys haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, please watch it. It's one of the greatest pieces of, I don't know, television and the history of anything. So that's my first thought. Have you, have you emailed David Locke yet about having a Locked On Avatar podcast? <laughs> no, definitely not. I, yeah, it would not go very far, I don't think. They do have like... They do have a Locked On AFL, which I don't even know what AFL is. So they are open to other things. I think that's Aussie football league. I think that's our guy, Josh Lloyd. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Josh Lloyd, Kane Pittman. Yeah. (laughs) On today's show, we're going to discuss fake trades, tanking, and so much more, including Avatar, apparently, at the end of the show. But Nick, you know that I have listened to you for a long time on Lockdown Mavericks. The audience knows that I was a Mavericks fan as a kid before we got a team in Oklahoma City. So this is a a weird crossover episode of sorts, kind of crossing the two lines of my fandom, the Thunder and the Mavericks. Yeah, and pretty two pretty good fandoms to have. I mean, you had Dirk with the Mavericks for so, you know really good for so long, and then you had it must have been really weird when Dirk and the the, you know, the Thunder were going at it in 2011, right? Who are you rooting for? People always ask me, you know, who do you root for when the Mavs play the Lakers? And I'm always like, I win either way. What did you think in 2011? Yeah, in 2011, I I rooted for the Thunder to win because of Mark Cuban and just how much he trashed Oklahoma. And oh, trashed he hated Westbrook franchise. too. Was that the year he did the, the yeah, Westbrook? Not, not, not a superstar. Yeah. yeah. Give me a break, Cuban. But so I got offended by who was once my favorite character in sports and Mark Cuban I got offended by that. So I rooted for, for the Thunder until of course, Dirk got to the finals and I had to see Dirk. I had the MVP shirts for Dirk. My first ever Jersey was that, beautiful green Mavericks jersey for Dirk mm. and a Jerry Stackhouse jersey, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. And then, uh, so yeah, I rooted for the Mavericks the entire time. But when they played Oklahoma, it was, it was hard to root against my home state because you just, growing up, you never expect Oklahoma to not only have an NBA franchise, but not be the Kings to actually be a competitive team and a contending team that should have won some championships, if we're being honest. But, you know, I just really like both these franchises. And I want to start with the expectations for you uh, and for the fan base in Dallas. What are your expectations this offseason? Is this a offseason where you're hearing a lot of clamoring for Dallas needs to make a move? Here comes the Luca window. Here comes the Luca clock. When do you start making moves or do you wait for that 2021 offseason where there's just so much talent available? 
yeah, I think if you're just asking for fans' takes, I feel like – and I don't think that this is, you know, def, I don't know if this is just a Mavericks thing, Mavs fan thing, an MFFL team thing. Uh, there's certain people, there's certain segments of the fan base that just always want to make a big move no matter what, right? They're the ones that want to win the offseason. That's kind of a football thing where, oh, this team won the offseason, you know, like this NFL team came in and won the offseason. Uh, and there's certain fans that always want to do that. But if you've been paying attention and if you know exactly what's going on with this Mavericks team, you know that 2021 is the real chance, probably the biggest real chance for this team to add a third piece, a big piece, you know, whatever, a big fish, whatever you want to call it. We made it, you know, we've definitely talked about that phrase over on Lockdown Mavs today, but that's your chance because you have the cap space, you have max cap space, you have some of these guys that are still signed, you have, you know, Luca and Porzingis obviously still still under contract. Luca's still in his rookie deal, which is just highway robbery right now. But you also still have some guys under contract. You have Seth Curry. You have Dorian Finney-Smith. You have Maxi Kleba. You have Dwight Powell. All really good role players still under contract during those years. So they're going to have the space to sign a Giannis, sign a Kawhi Leonard, sign even a Victor Oladipo. Uh, one of these guys to be able to sign them and keep all those guys as well. I mean, that is just that, – that's huge. And so – I don't want to mess anything up this offseason. And so if I'm the Mavericks, I don't want to you know, screw it up by signing somebody long-term. This offseason is going to mess that up. But some fans still want, you know, oh, bring in Drummond, bring in this guy, you know, bring in Buddy Heald, like bring in whoever. And, you know, there's ways you can still make it work with a big free agent, but I don't want to mess up any chances I have in the, uh, you know, 2021 you know, like free agency class. Yeah, and maybe this is a really niche Mavericks comment, but – I think that you hit the nail on the head whenever you said that this time it's for real because the Mavericks always think that they're in the mix and Keevan always thinks he's in the mix, but this is not circling the driveway and circling the neighborhood of DeAndre Jordan. This is something where I think that it's legitimate. That Wait, hold on. Did he ever even find the driveway? I don't think we. I don't think I don't he, think he found... did find it. I think he couldn't get in the gated community or something, and the Keevan. doors were locked even though Keevan wasn't even around as if Keevan was going to break in the house. It was crazy. But that was God, first... Remember when that was the weirdest thing that happened in our country, like that Cuban was driving around? All right, never mind. Keep going. I think that this time, though, it is legitimate that, that Dallas can and is in the mix for a top and premier free agent, and they're a destination. And you've heard Giannis say he loves Dallas, Texas. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. And on that note, to me, I think that that takes Dallas out of the CP3 market. And if you're trying to land a big fish, does, it, does that not go away? Does that chance not end if you trade for Chris Paul? Yeah, I mean, Thunder fans know Chris Paul's whole situation. I had a Mavericks fan reach out to me and say, I know that you guys are against Chris Paul because of the contract, $44 million player option in 2021, but do you think that there'd be a chance that Chris Paul would turn down that player option, you know, to take something longer term? I was like, I want you to go to Google right now. I'm sure there's some site or some, you know, app that does this to show you what $44 million looks like. And then I want you to come back and ask me that same question again. There's just no, ch- I mean, there's no chance he turns that down. $44 million in one year. He was the one also president of the players association that made that happen so that these guys could get those kind of deals. So yes, if, if I'm, you know, if I'm the Mavericks, I think that takes me out. There's always a way to move a contract, right? I think that the Thunder and Rockets both proved that last offseason. There's always a way to move a contract and to get somebody out of there. But yeah, I think that, I think they're out of the, the Chris Paul thing. I think it'd be an interesting type move if they realized that they weren't going to get anybody in 2021. I think it'd be a great basketball move. We've talked all about how, you know, it'd be such a great basketball. It'd be everything that the Mavericks need right now. Veteran presence, a guy that can be a secondary playmaker next to Luca, a guy that can be a de- 
defender, you know, like a guard defender, a guy that can be a leader, some type of enforcer, like a big presence on the court. He's all those things, but it's just that $44 million is just so much money to be paying one guy. It's going to be what, 36, 30, you know, 37 that year. You can also send that guy to Google because Chris Paul has simply said multiple times, I am not opting out to go to contender. I am happy in Oklahoma <laughs> city, wherever I end up it's because I'm going to cash in that check and, and I don't blame him one bit. And I think that I don't want to call him a poor man's Chris Paul, but I think that for Dallas, a good fit on this team is Dennis Schroeder. If you're Donnie Nelson and you could pick of the top Thunder available players, you have Gallo, you have Adams, you have Schroeder, you have Chris Paul. Of those top players, who's your pick if you're Donnie Nelson? Yeah, I think if I'm just looking at those Thunder guys, I think Dennis Schroeder is probably the guy. You talked about him a little bit on Lockdown Maps today, that he's the secondary type playmaker. He's you know become a really, really good three-point shooter that he wasn't at the beginning of part of his career. And I think he could be that guy. He seems to be okay playing the six-man role. He should have been six-man of the year, in my opinion. He, you know, seems to be okay with that kind of role. He doesn't need to have the spotlight, which I think some people were concerned about in Atlanta, that he had, he thought that he was, you know, he seemed to be kind of an irrational confidence guy, right? Where he'd come in and like, I'm the star, I'm this guy. But in the Thunder, maybe it was Chris Paul's influence, or maybe it was just, you know, the situation, he really accepted that role, played really well with Chris Ball on the court too. I thought that that, I thought that pairing would have been terrible beginning of the season. I was so down on that pairing and it actually really proved me wrong, which a lot of things on the Thunder did. But I think, I think Dennis Schroeder, I, I don't see any spot for Steven Adams on the Mavericks. People have mentioned him. A lot of Mavericks fans have mentioned Steven Adams to me over the years and I've been back and forth on it. But after watching this playoffs and this finals, I'm just, I'm so out on Steven Adams. We talked a lot about him on Locked on Mavs today. So if you guys want to hear about that go listen to that uh Gallinari would be interesting uh there would be many European you know white Mavs jokes that would be made if Gallinari was brought to the Mavs uh but they need something else I think maybe maybe Gallinari could be brought in but I think that they need secondary playmaker more than they need like an outside shooter type yeah I think that the the Mavericks are going to sign and trade for Gallinari but then all of a sudden the deal's not going to happen and they're going to end up with a shooter like the Goran Dragic thing with Miami (laughs) <laughs> hey they the Mavericks are the pros at somebody thinks they're going to be a Maverick and then all of a sudden they're not right yeah that that's like kind of their staple right now but you mentioned something interesting about Luca and that you would feel comfortable and, and you like it in a basketball sense of bringing on Chris Paul uh, and I take that as a point guard for Luca and maybe I'm just jaded by Dennis Smith Jr. who I shouldn't compare Chris Paul to I just (laughs) tread carefully Ryan I just I don't think that Luca needs a Chris Paul type player but you watch Luca every single minute of his career do you think that he can fit with a point guard I think that he is your point guard uh, at the NBA level yeah he's absolutely your point guard for sure he's your lead ball handler he's the guy you want the ball in his hands but we've seen Luca in the EuroLeague we've seen him with you know, uh, with other ball handlers. We've seen him with Goran Dragic. He played incredible with Goran Dragic. We've seen him even just in the playoffs. They put Trey Burke as the starting guard next to him, and Trey Burke handled the ball a little bit. And just giving Luca that little bit of reprieve of, you know, somebody coming in and making some plays and Luca being able to play off the ball and, you know, hockey assists and all that kind of stuff, like that really opens up Luca's game a lot. And then also just to take the pressure away from Luca when he's off the court. Right. I think that that is something that they need as well. So that's the reason why I think that it would be great to bring in Chris Paul, you know, for a basketball sense, because I think he plays really well with another playmaker next to him. Luke is okay with, you know, sharing the spotlight with somebody. And I think Chris Paul would be okay with, you know, Luca being the number one guy. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, from a business side of things, I think that it makes a lot of sense to do the great value version of that in Dennis because Dennis can take the pressure off while Luca's on the floor and be that ball handler as he was with Russell Westbrook and with Chris Paul. And then he should have been six man of the year. He can do that with the bench unit, especially with the bench unit in Dallas that I think is more talented than the bench unit Oklahoma City had that he was so good with. I think that Dennis Schroeder could be a good point guard to add an expiring deal to where it still leaves you that flexibility. I am just all on board of, of getting Dennis to Dallas, but maybe, maybe that's thunder biased with Mavericks bias. Yeah. Uh, it would be great to have a point guard Dennis that would work out next to Luca. I think that, that there's a lot of parallels there that I think could uh, really play out well <laughs> to have one workout instead of the one that didn't. So after the break, I want to talk about what the Mavericks have to give up on the trade market because we can throw out these hypothetical deals, but how is the deal going to get done? But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you probably couldn't work an email properly. You had no idea what you were doing with dial-up internet. Yet your phone would ring, the internet would go out. It was a mess, but you could be going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car, whatever need. My favorite part about their website is how easy it is to navigate. Even as someone who knows nothing about cars, I know that I can go to rockauto.com and only give them my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my car. That way, I'm not wasting any time, any money, and I'm only getting car parts that fit with my vehicle. Go to rockauto.com for their amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, and so them locked on sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box. And I also want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Go, because Built Go is a fantastic tool that you need to use. It helps you break through your wall, whether that's a mental wall or a physical wall, break through with Go every single day. It's an easy one and a half ounce packet that just gives you that boost you need to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without that same crash feeling. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. And it's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It is totally natural. So it's even good for your body. Built Go combines energy with protein powder and Built Go is everything you want to get you through the day. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And so we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ryland Styles. Nick Angstead of Locked On Mavericks is here. And Nick, what would you give up on this on this Mavericks team? Who are players that are expendable to improve this roster? Be interesting to see what they'd want to give up. I mean, for, for me, I don't want to give up any of these like role player type guys. I think that to make a deal for a, you know, a Dennis Schroeder, I feel like uh, the salaries that only kind of work there, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. making 20 million. I don't think that's the answer to, to swap those two guys. I don't know if that even makes the Mavericks better. Do you think that would make the Mavericks better? Tim Hardaway for Dennis Schroeder? I mean, after what we saw in the bubble, and it depends on if Tim Hardaway Jr.'s dad's in the crowd. There's a lot of factors <laughs> going on there. But yeah, I think that that's a toss-up. I would still go with Dennis because of that factor of him being able to be a better ball handler, in my opinion, uh, and someone that can help Luca out more in that Trey Burke role only to the max. So I think it's a little bit of improvement, but not enough to 
have the moving parts that it will take. Because just as Chris Paul's value will never be higher, Dennis's value will never be higher than this. And so maybe in a, in a market in which you're only going to be able to improve your team in free agents in a, in the draft in the trade market, excuse me, that not in free agency, that Dennis can bring you back more assets than a Tim Hardaway Jr. salary dump. And it's interesting though, for sure. I think that it's a, it's a negligible improvement for Dallas. Yeah. And Tim Hardaway's stock has never been higher either. So it's not, you know, yeah. we're trading two guys whose stock has never been higher and one of them's going to win and one of them's going to lose. And that's almost a toss up, right? Just depending on like how well the guy's training is over the off season, whoever wins that trade. Right. So then you go through and you have Dwight Powell's making like 11 million that he'd probably have to get thrown into a deal like that. Uh, you have, you know, Seth Curry, Dorian, Maxi, like those three guys I think are so important to the Mavericks going forward and keeping those guys long-term because, you know, of, of 2021, you got to keep those guys that are cost-effective. Uh, you have Justin Jackson, you have DeLon Wright, it, probably a combination of those two guys I think would be the, the trade that they would probably throw out. So I think maybe let's go DeLon Wright, Justin Jackson, and then uh, like they have two picks this year. They have the 18th pick and they have Golden State's second-round pick, the 31st pick. So one of those two picks I think for Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, and I think that that probably is enough, but but you're laying it out right now as from a map side of things of why I think just kind of run it back and maybe make subtle improvements because I'm not in, under any circumstances giving up Maxi or Seth Curry, and I really love Dorian. So I would rather just, you know, eat this year, so to say, where hopefully they can make the second round and have that step up. And then offseason comes around next year and you sign a Kawhi Giannis something in free agency. So I, that's really interesting, though. I think that there is still a path for Schroeder because I think that for Schroeder, the 18th pick and matching salaries, that's a pretty good return on investment for someone you got just for dumping mellow. Yeah, I, and I think that, that would make the Mavericks better. I mean, we've talked about that secondary ball handler. You put him on the bench, you know, and he, he's probably taking over. Obviously, you take DeLon Wright's place. J.J. Barea might not be with the team anymore. You have Jalen Brunson. They could probably play together, Brunson. And, uh, you know, that'd be a similar Chris Paul, you know, like Dennis Schroeder type pairing in, in the style that they play. Jalen Brunson's not anywhere close to Chris Paul, but just in the style that they play, I think you can make that work off the bench. And you know this very well. Rick Carlisle loves his two guard lineups. He just loves playing any kind of two guards together. And so I think that that would make a lot of different combinations that would make uh, Rick Carlisle really happy. <laughs> just, just make sure that Dennis doesn't know where the hot dogs are at. <laughs> and we'll be all good there. Oh, do Thunder fans know that story? I'm, I'm, I wonder if I always wonder if other fan bases remember that story, or if that was just a big Mavericks thing. Yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think it's really registered with anyone else except for Mavs fans about Nelson Noel getting the hot dog during the game. And I, I know that you've mentioned it before on the podcast, but how oh, silly is by it? By the that, way, do you you know I was there that day. You were at that the hot dog gate. I was at the hot dog game with Nelson Noel. I remember. Uh, I remember people just coming up and being like, "Nerlens was in the Nerlens was in the media room." Nerlens was there and I was like what were you guys talking about and all of a sudden I just pull up Tim McMahon's like timeline and there's just a picture of Nerlens walking out with a hot dog in his hand it was just the weirdest thing anyway yeah while he's eating the hot dog and putting the ketchup on there you could have you could have got your phone out and had him record a I'm Nerlens well this is locked on maps and that would be good for about a couple months yeah for a couple (laughs) months there but yeah he, he went to the media room got a hot dog during a game which did not sit well with Carlisle and it's just funny to me that that could have been a non-story if he just had a ball boy get him a hot dog and bring it back to the locker room. Well, and the only part that made that a story, it would have just been a funny story to, to, you know, to brush off, but he wasn't getting minutes. He wasn't getting played and he seemed upset about it. And it didn't, you know, he, it wasn't really sitting well with him. He had, 
I think he had turned down that contract. And I think yeah, he, that was he turned the, down the contract by then. It was he turned down the contract before that crazy contract that I to be honest, I don't know if that's that was a real contract. People reported that, but I can't imagine the Mavericks offering him that deal. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so he had turned down that deal. He was upset with the amount of t- minutes he was getting played. And then he goes in and gets a hot dog like that. It all added up. And it was just the perfect timing for something stupid like that to happen. And it's just now one of the funniest things in Mavericks history, probably. If Luca gets a hot dog in a game, there's no spectacle about it. Besides no. just look well, how funny this guy is. Yeah, well, it would also just be all the uh, the fat pictures of Luca, right? Like all the, you know, oh, yeah. You'd get have you seen all those pictures of like the edited version of players that are fat? It would just be that all over the place. Oh, well, who knows who he's going to be back in Oklahoma City next year, but he's a thunder for now. Um, he's not going to go back to Dallas. I can almost guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. And no, that's not happening. I've been on fake contracts for a while, though, because I think that the contract between Sam Presti and Billy Donovan was fake. I mean, I, I just think that it's something that Sam Presti floated out there to make everyone realize, hey, I tried my best to get back the third place voter, you know, <laughs> third place finisher and coach of the year. I tried my best, knowing good and well there's no world in which Billy Donovan signs a two-year deal. So I do think that that contract was a little bit of a fake news story. Yeah, I think that that happens more often than, you know, than, we, than we're going to know because people aren't going to be honest with us in the media unless they're really upset and then they come out and just try to trash the other organization. But can't burn all the bridges, right? Still got to get a job somewhere. By the way, we always make fun of Billy Donovan on Locked on Mavs because he's like, I want to go and not be part of a rebuilding organization. And then he goes to the, to the Bulls. Like, what did Thunder fans <laughs> think about that that seems to be so weird to me well so that was like the first notion from thunder fans but it wasn't it wasn't my first takeaway my first takeaway was okay that makes sense because here's the bulls organization not only is it prestigious but it has the the appeal to hopefully attract the bradley beal who he coached in florida or what whoever in free agency and if you can't get a free agent still you're further along in chicago in your rebuild than you are in oklahoma city and you have new new front office members who are going to handpick you and hopefully give you that leash you need. And if Billy Donovan was only going to get a two-year contract in Oklahoma City, he has to maximize his, his value. His, his value is never going to get higher, just like a player's value won't get higher. His won't get higher in the NBA circuits as it is right now. So he gets the long-term contract from Chicago. He's at one of the best organizations in basketball historically. Uh, obviously went downhill a ton since Derrick Rose days, but still one of the best, best organizations. And they're further along in this rebuild than they are right now. And he's not a playoff coach. If he went to the Philadelphia, they would still be a disaster. He'd get fired in two years and he would just expose himself even further. And with Chicago, you can take basically a step back and go to the first round. Wow. Good season. Go to the second round. Good season. <laughs> Regress. Go to the first round. Good season. And then you get fired, but you're not going to have that leeway with teams expecting to win. And to me, it was the perfect spot for him because he's not a good playoff coach. He can't take that pressure right now. And they're just further along than they are in Oklahoma City, and they have an actual direction. I mean, I think that we can all read between the lines and say Oklahoma City has a direction. But as of right now, they technically do not. Technically, they can still roll this team back and set back their rebuild even further, which no one thinks that they will. So I just think that it was a funny, like, a funny Twitter joke to make about, oh, they didn't want to go to a rebounding team, but then he went to Chicago. But the – the examination further into it they're rebuilding right now but they have the pieces that Oklahoma City just doesn't have yet and they're going to be back you know probably if everything goes as planned quicker than Oklahoma City will be back in the postseason and, and back to competing 
I like to imagine that Billy Donovan considered the then I get fired part of that plan that you just <laughs> yeah. said, right? Like he I just mean, he adds that into his five-year plan. Yeah, that means you got to think about it though. <laughs> I, I think that as a coach, you, you do worry a little bit about that, but you know, you can go the other way also. If he does get fired, if he takes the best job available, whether that's the Pelicans or the, or the, uh, the Sixers, then he's the automatic top college coach. And, and anyone that's not in North Carolina, Duke, or Kansas is going to fire their coach immediately and hire Billy Donovan. So he still has that safety net to fall back on. But I think that this keeps him in the NBA longer is to go to Chicago. Fair, fair. It's a fair assessment. I get it. So I wanted to talk to you about the Mavericks model because you have an interesting background in the NBA. Not only are you an NBA fanatic and, and you know this league inside and out, but you host this podcast about Dallas and also are a fan of LA. So you get a media market, I would say, in Dallas and then the you bright lights of LA. Like you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. You're a enjoy. fan of LA. It just sounds like you, like you had to swallow the name in your mouth. Yeah, enjoy the championship. Enjoy Alex Caruso <laughs> and whatnot. Oklahoma City Blue legend, by the way, Alex Caruso. Mm. Enjoy the Thunder legends, Dwayne, uh, excuse me, Dwayne, Dion Waiters and Marquise Morris. Enjoy them getting you the championship of course, with no one else besides those Oklahoma City guys. But you can go at this as a different perspective than someone who's only been around small markets, as most of these Thunder fans have. Should the Thunder follow the Mavericks model? And the Mavericks model was you tank. Mark Cuban openly admits that you're tanking. You get Luka, and you nail a draft pick. And we're not that takes you one year, two years, three years, four years. You eventually nail that draft pick. You get Luka. And then for Oklahoma City, they still have, you know, at that time it would be probably down from 14 to probably 13, 12, 11, 10 future first round picks. And then do you trade those chips in and get a KP, get a disgruntled star who pops up to the NBA every single month? It seems like there's a new star running out. Or would you go the other way and would you spend all of these first round picks and just continue to try to hit in the draft and build your team through the draft? I think that you could see Sam Presti going either way because he's been known to make those big trades, scared money, don't make money. But Let's not forget that the iteration of this and, and the, the brainchild of all of this organization was drafting Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. And obviously you're not going to get that, that big of a, of a hit again, three consecutive MVPs. But would you more so cash in the draft picks or would you cash in on one of them, hit one of them, and then immediately start trading and trying to get that big fish, knowing that you already have Shea and then this next pick? Yeah, I think for the Thunder, I mean, it was so many assets. That's kind of the, the – man, that has to be the buzzword in OKC right now is just assets, right? You have all these assets, all these guys that you could trade, all these incredible, you know, crazy draft amount of draft picks. Uh, I, I think that, man, the Mavericks model is so weird to talk about because the Mavericks model as well, you just, you know, wait around for three teams to be absolutely moronic and pass on one of the generational players <laughs> of our, you know, entire generation, right? Like. I don't know if that happens every single day, but it does seem to be the model, right? To you have to just be able to get the first star, however you can, and to have you know team control over him for a certain amount of time, you know, enough time for you to get that other disgruntled star, right? That seems to be the unless you're a you know a Brooklyn or an LA Clippers, right? That that's kind of the model to get, you know, to get good, right? To to get somebody. The, the Timberwolves are kind of doing a version of this right now, right? They had they got. Carl Anthony Towns in the draft, and then they traded for D'Angelo Russell. Now they did on the peripheries, they did all kinds of crazy, you know, weird moves, and they have to figure out what they're doing with Andrew Wiggins and all that. But 
that that seems to be the case to me. I, I think you, you try to get a star however you can. If it's through the draft, if you think that, you know, you've mentioned a lot about Cade Cunningham, maybe he's that guy that comes in and becomes that star for you. And then he attracts that second star that you can get, a disgruntled star that you can trade for with those assets. I wouldn't go all in on trading for a guy first, you know, like blowing all those assets first to get a guy like a Bradley Beal or somebody. And then you're trying to get that second guy, but you have nothing left in the tank to go for, right? Like I think that's how you have to, to go at it uh, if you're not one of these markets that's going to bring in guys. You know, the, the Brooklyn thing is, is kind of weird because they got, they got both of those, Brooklyn and the Clippers, right? They got, they got the two stars, and they didn't have to give up much of their guys that they already had. So that just doesn't happen in many places. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers had to trade their entire future for, for the rights to Kawhi and Paul George. But whenever you look at it as both those players, obviously – uh, you would probably do that 10 times out of 10 if you're LA and the Thunder still reap the benefits of it. I think that you're absolutely right though. You can't make any moves until you nail this next draft pick because you already have Shea. So that's a, at worst, in my opinion, he's at worst, your second best player whenever you're trying to win a championship. And then of course, unless you trade for some super, superstar and he becomes your third best player, which is still incredible. You have Shea, nail whatever draft pick it is, whether it's Cade Cunningham, whether it's two years from now, whatever. And then you still have, 10 future first round picks to go trade for whoever you want. And they have so much flexibility that they can go either way they want to, but you're right. You have to nail that first pick before you do anything else. Whenever you're trying to rebuild this team. Yeah. I feel like I kind of sold SGA short. I think that he is a, a, you know, future all-star type guy. So maybe he's already the second guy. I don't think he's a first guy, right? I think you'd agree with me and Thunder fans would agree with me that I don't think he's the first guy that you go to and say, Oh, he's our future. You know, he's the guy that, you know, is going to be our Luca, our, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or whoever, or our Devin Booker. I don't think he's that necessarily that guy, but I think he could be your second guy. So maybe you get that, you know, maybe you get a next guy, that the number one guy in the draft, or you trade for a third guy, right? Like maybe that's the path for the Thunder. I think that SGA definitely, you know, builds into that. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it takes a lot of luck involved, not only nailing the draft pick in general, but having the top pick in a draft that's really good. I mean, you can have a top pick yeah. in this year's class where you don't know who the first round pick should be. And imagine if the, if the Wolves have the first pick next year, whenever you know Cade Cunningham is an absolute star. It's just the fickle nature of the lottery, of tanking, of relying on people to simply be, be born at the exact moment you need <laughs> them to to line up with when you want to tank. And that's just so hard to do. But with Shea, you do have that safety net of – I've said all along, he's at worst your second best player whenever you're going to contend. And I don't think he can be your absolute number one player if you want to win a championship. Uh, but maybe that's what we said about Jimmy Butler going into this season too. And then all of a sudden he takes you to the final. So maybe he can surprise you a little bit there. But I do think that you're in a good position to where if, all, if everything hit perfectly for Oklahoma City, you have Shea right now, you draft Cade Cunningham, and then you trade an asset for a disgruntled star who is somehow still under a few years of control. And you make a big push and you're back to contending in two, three years. And that would be like the, the best, best, best case scenario. And the worst case scenario is, of course, missing on 14 future first round picks. And the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle of all of that. But coming up, I do want to talk to you about what it's like to watch a tanking team. Because in Oklahoma City, we've never had to do that. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm Ryland Stiles, joined by Nick Engstead of Locked On Mavericks. And Nick, you took over Locked On Mavericks right as they began to tank. And you experienced the lulls in the Mavericks organization, the losing, and then you experienced the draft night of getting Luca. And I remember listening to every single episode leading up to the draft and, and the, the, the day of the draft, listening and saying, okay, do they think that we have a shot? Do they think we have a shot to get Luca? Do we have a shot to get Luca? And then you guys are like, I don't know, maybe, possibly, I'm hearing maybe. And as soon as it was reported that the, the Mavericks got Luca, I started screaming in the basement of my aunt's house because we were over there to visit during the summer. Uh, I started screaming, oh my God, they got Luca. And then immediately I just kept refreshing, 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 waiting for lockdown maps. I listened to that episode at like 1230 in the morning, right whenever you released it, because I was so jacked up for Luca. But to get to that point, the, the Mavericks had to intentionally lose. And the Thunder, since they became a team in Oklahoma City, have never tried to lose. That first year was losing basketball, but they had Kevin Durant. They had Russell Westbrook, and literally after that season, they got James Harden and became a playoff team for the rest of their tenure outside of one fluky season in which both Kevin Durant and Westbrook got hurt. So this fan base has never experienced a team heading into the season with the mindset of we want to lose games. Losses turn into wins, and how is the experience of watching that? How does that take place? Because you go from living and dying every day by – every single game and oh my god the big the okay three of Paul George Russell Westbrook and, and Carmelo they're the sixth seed right now how is this possible they're gonna fall out of the postseason to okay do we lose great let's go we lost we're gonna get closer to Kate Cunningham how do you watch a season that way and and, and what do you take away from a season where you where you're wanting to lose because obviously you're gonna take away performances in the sense of wins and losses it's so weird. It just goes against your entire fandom, right? Where you're wanting your, you're, you're okay with your team losing. And then there's a little bit of you when they win that go, damn, like I, <laughs> I just really hope that they wouldn't have won that game. It is a really weird situation. The draft becomes the immediate, you know, number one thing for you. I know that 20, that 2017 draft with Dennis Smith Jr. And all them, like, I feel like we watched so much on that draft and then it just became absolutely useless to us a year later, right? Cause Dennis yeah. was traded and then they got Luca. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to, to watch a team like that, to, to watch it, a tanking team. You care about different things, but you have to, to care about the young guys and what their, you know, their future is. And I think that Thunder fans are, they're used to doing that. They're used to watching their young guys in Westbrook and Harden and, and Durant and watch them grow up. And then they became, you know, the stars that they did. But I think this time around, you don't know if those guys are going to be stars, right? You know that SGA is probably going to be really good. You don't know what Baisley's going to be. You don't know what Lou Dort's going to be at his ceiling. You don't have got, you don't have those three guys yet uh, to get to that point. And so watching a team that that's tanking, uh, Man, it is, it's just a really weird thing. You're going to see some weird lineups probably. You're going to see some uh, – the Mavericks had a lineup one time. And, and to be honest, I don't know how much the Mavericks tried to lose as much as they just, like, were bad. They're just a really bad team for a while. They, they probably did try to lose here and there, but uh, it's not like they went out every night and tried to, you know, actively lose. But there's just some weird lineups that you're going to see. 
Um, and just look forward to the young guys and try and figure out what you can get for the assets. And, uh, but appreciate the journey. Appreciate you know, the, the fun games that the young guys are going to have where they're, they'll win you a game all of a sudden and you'll go, dang, like did, did Dennis Smith Jr. really just have a triple-double and win a game, right? And then you're kind of sad about it. But appreciate those times because there's not going to be many if you're a tanking team. I have a question, though. Was, was Dennis Smith Jr. actually sick? Who? They said sick. They said it was injury. They said it was some kind of hurt. There was that was a really weird story that he was just kind of out. I think that was an agent thing. It, it seemed pretty obvious that there was nothing wrong with him. But yeah, it, it seemed like he definitely was not sick. But I know it's it's taboo to even say that word in 2020. But that was just such a wild story back in the day. But this has been awesome. I think that you're right. You just gotta kind of take the season as it comes, and that's that's a bit of. A, a preview of what we got this season because this season didn't truly matter. They were still winning games, but the wins felt like, all right, good job. I mean, let's go. And the losses felt like, oh, that's too bad. It was kind of a house money season. And you kind of take that mindset in the next year where it's house money and the losses become the wins. So if you're, you know, 50,000 games under 500, you're feeling really good. And you're feeling like Cade Cunningham's on the next stop here from Stillwater to Oklahoma City. So I think it'll be a very fun season to watch. Uh, from here on out for the Thunder, and it'll be an interesting one. And I do worry a little bit about the Thunder fan base. I think, though, if I had to project, you lose the global stronghold. I don't know if you've realized this, but the Thunder have somehow turned into a global brand from Oklahoma City, and that's because of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And then you add Carmelo and Paul George and and Chris Paul, and you've really gotten fans from around the world. I think that that kind of goes away until you start winning again. But as far as the hold in Oklahoma City, which Mark Cuban hates because he used to have the hold in Oklahoma City with the Dallas Mavericks, but as far as the hold in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma and the surrounding areas, I think that that stays strong even while you tank. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 you, know, the, you find out who the real fans are, basically. I think we found out that we took over Lockdown Mavs in May of 2017, right? Right in the middle of that you know, draft to get Dennis Booth Jr., right in the middle of that you know, really, really bad Mavericks run. And we found out who the real Mavericks fans are. And now we're, you know, we're finding out that there's all kinds of bandwagoners, which we, we will accept. We will accept bandwagoners as long as they listen to Lockdown Mavericks. That's the only way that we'll accept them. Yeah, I think that this is really the first time you can say the Thunder are going to get eventually, hopefully, to bandwagoners because you, can't, you couldn't really know who was a bandwagon Thunder fan because they weren't a team a few years ago before they started winning I mean, just like me, I mean, I guess you consider me a bandwagon Thunder fan in the sense that my fandom coincided with them winning, but that was only because they, I live here in Oklahoma, and so they really only won since they've been a team here. So it's interesting. I'll see how the fan base goes with each and every game. I don't think that the enthusiasm will be their game to game. How could it be? But I still think and believe in this fan base for sure that they're going to support the Thunder each and every day. And each and every day, you can check out Locked on Thunder and Locked on Mavericks, because even if you're not a Mavs fan, Nick and Isaac do a great job of hosting and getting you up to date on the Dallas Mavericks. Because look, you're going to need some winning basketball to watch come, come playoff time. <laughs> and why not just go down the highway and, and check out Luca and the boys? So th- why not go check out Locked on Mavericks? We did a whole crossover episode over there. Nick, thank you for hopping on. I'll be stealing your draft profile ideas and things like that that you did during the, the Mavericks tank and carrying them over to the Thunder tank. Oh, there's so many things you can do. So many different uh, games that we played and stuff. You can, you can steal all of it. Just go back at our archives, 2017, 2017 till basically when they got Luca. <laughs> that was pretty much all tanking ideas. Just don't go back to the, to the trading for uh, KP episode where it's just, 
Isaac screaming in his car after, after a baby doctor appointment. So that was, that was an all-time classic from Lockdown and Mass, but this has been fun. Nick, I've enjoyed your work for a long time. It was awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we'll be back tomorrow for more Locked on Thunder. Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.